Man, it's great to see you guys. Thanks for being here to worship with us this morning. Uh, we've been in this series called all, I'm All Ears and talking about hearing the voice of God and how important that is to our lives. And to start today, I had a question. Have you ever made a big mistake in your life because you misheard something? Because you didn't hear it clearly and you did the wrong thing or you said the wrong thing. If you go ahead and put that first cartoon up, here's a funny example. The husband and wife are sitting on the couch. She says, I think you need a hearing test. And he says, why the heck do I need a hairy chest? Come on, I think this is the story of my life sometimes of uh, what's going on and what I hear or what I don't hear. And uh, one time I was uh, going to meet Pam. This was, this was pre-cell phone days, so this was quite a while ago. And uh, I was going to meet Pam and her parents. I don't even, were we married yet? I think we're, we may have been married already. I'm not sure. This may have been like trying to make a good impression. I'm not even sure. And I kind of I knew Pam's parents. I had met them a few times. And uh, Pam called me on the phone and she says, Hey, we're going to meet my parents for lunch at noon at Cracker <laughs> And I'm like, Great, I'll see you at Cracker <laughs> And I don't know. Apparently, I heard Taco Bell. <laughs> Which, in retrospect, like thinking about Pam's parents and their taste and what they appreciated. Taco Bell was not the right answer. Come on. Apparently, it was Cracker Barrel. But I heard Taco Bell. And so, because I didn't hear clearly, I and this, come on, it was pre-cell phone. So she had called me on a landline and said, make this. And then we show up, and I go to Taco Bell because I, there's always room for a soft taco. Come on. And some of you have just checked out, like, I can't respect Pastor Chris anymore, ever, after hearing that. So I'm at Taco Bell eating my lunch and enjoying my time and wondering, where the heck are they? And I did not know the other side of the story was, they're sitting at Cracker Barrel having a great lunch and looking at Pam like, where is this guy? And so we get back, I finally realized what, what happened was, I misheard something. And because I misheard, I made a wrong decision. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And how many of you know that is the consequence of not hearing things clearly, of misunderstanding the information that's being communicated to us? We make choices and decisions that cause us to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And sometimes it's not as simple as, oh, I just went to lunch at the wrong place. Sometimes there are decisions that cost us money, they cost us relationships. They, they cause things to go poorly in our lives, all because we didn't hear clearly. And we need to remember that there is an entire world full of people out there that they're not hearing God clearly. Come on, out of, out of everybody in our lives that we need to hear clearly, obviously I'm very interested in hearing my wife clearly and communicating those things. But out of everybody that we could ever think of, the person whose voice we need to hear the clearest is the Lord speaking to us to give us direction to our lives, to give us life, to give us comfort. All those things that we talked about last week. If you missed last week, we talked about the benefits of hearing God's voice. It's available on the website if you want to go listen. But God is the voice we need to hear the clearest. And there are people out there wandering aimlessly because they aren't clearly hearing the voice of God and knowing the plan that He has for their lives. So today I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about how we can position ourselves to hear more clearly. How, how many of you love God's voice? 
All right, we, we said this last week. Mo, I, I got 90% of the people tracking with me this morning. We love to hear God's voice. How many of you would love to hear God's voice more clearly than you do today even? Come on, there, there is something about it. I've, I've had times of praying. It's like, oh God, I think we should do this or maybe this. And it's like, if we could just get some more clarity. And I will tell you up front, you cannot twist God's arm to speak or to tell you what you want to hear. But we can do things in our lives that position us to hear more clearly. Just like I could have called Pam back or I could have clarified on the phone, where are we meeting for lunch again? There are things we can do on our side to say, Lord, I'm going to hear you more clearly in your life. So a couple things I wanted to look at today. The first one that we can do to position ourselves to hear him more clearly is don't overcomplicate things. Come on. Too many times we expect overcomplicated methods and answers to our prayers. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, should, should I go downtown today? And, and what I'm expecting is, Lord, if that's your will for me, you'll speak to Karen. You'll give her a dream tonight, and she'll see rivers and buildings and maybe black and gold in her dream. And then when she wakes up, you'll stir her heart, like, i got to call Pastor Chris and tell him about this dream. And I'll take that as a sign that you want me to go downtown, Lord. But then also, if you could speak to Pam and tell her which route should I take to get there, Come on, we overcomplicate things, and instead of saying, God, man, I think I'm supposed to go down today, is it, is it yes or no? Just yes or no. That's, that's all we need. And Lord, I'll trust that you can adjust my plan as I begin to take steps towards it. There, there are times we just need to be walking in what we feel like God is calling us to do and trust that he will adjust our course instead of thinking, oh, I need all this up front. I need to make it so complicated. I got to have a sign we just need to say, let our yes be yes and our no be no, and, and simply look to hear his voice. Here's a story. I, I hope it's not an overcomplicated story to make this point. But King David in Scripture, this is before he was king, uh, he was actually on the run from Saul. How many of you remember that part of David's life? He'd been anointed. He knew this is my destiny. But the king, who was currently in power, wanted to kill him. He's hunting him. He's after him. And so David is on the run with his men, and he's really struggling with, what, I, what should I do, Lord? I need your voice. I need your direction more than ever. And while he's on the run, the Philistines attacked a nearby town. And this is what it says David did in 1 Samuel 23, verse 2. It says, he inquired of the Lord. Everybody say, inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord answered him, go attack the Philistines and save Kayla. The town that had been attacked, he, he got this word from God. And if you remember, when David was living, how did you hear God's voice? You had to go to the tabernacle and talk to the priest. And the priest would give you the answer. So how did God speak to David when David was on the run? Well, I think there were a lot of people that would have read that story and they would have wondered that themselves. Like, how, how could he be hearing God? David's on the run. How's he hearing God while he's on the run? In case you were wondering, they actually included that in the story down in verse 6. It tells people that Abathar the priest went on the run with David and he brought the ephod with him. That's not a word you hear in a lot of sermons on Sunday morning. How many of you know what the word ephod means? All right, a few people... The ephod was part of the priest outfit. He had this linen robe and this breastplate. It was called the breastplate of judgment that went on top of it. And the breastplate 
had all the stones that represented the tribes of Israel and some different things engraved on it. But one of the things that was unique about the ephod is it had a little pocket on the front of it. And inside the pocket were these two things called the Urim and the Thummim. Everybody say those words with me. No, I'm just kidding. It is like a tongue twister, the Urim and the Thummim. And that was how every time, um, most often when you read that David inquired of the Lord, he would go see the priest. And what the Urim and the Thummim were, most biblical scholars think they were two stones that were in the front of the breastplate of the priest. One was black and one was white, and they had a different word inscribed on them. And so literally when it says David went and inquired of the Lord, he said, should I go attack the Philistines? And the priest would say, hold on a second. Reach in his pocket. If he pulled out the white stone, yes, God is telling you, go, you will have success. If he pulled out the black stone, no, don't get, come on. Talk about not overcomplicating things. He's there to get a word from the Lord. And what we would look back on and say, that's like flipping a coin. Come on, that's, that's, that's just random chance. I'm not sure how that's working out. David knew that God was so invested in his life and with him that even something that we would look at and say, oh, that's just random chance, David knew God's going to speak to me through this simple act. And I think there, there was a point in this story that uh, David's men weren't too sure that that's what God had said. If you read through that verse, uh, verse 3, I think it talks about the men came up to him and said, how can we do this? We're so far away from home. We don't have any support. How can we go attack the Philistines? What were they really saying? Hey, we're kind of nervous, and we're not sure. Like, usually you go to the tabernacle and the glory cloud and the priest there, and, and you've got this guy pulling the rocks out right here on the road with us. Are you sure that this is what God's saying? So right after David, it says David inquired of the Lord. The Lord said, yes, go attack the Philistines. In verse 4, he goes and inquires again. They didn't go yet. They didn't fight anybody. All that happened was the men said, we're not too sure about this. And in verse 4, it says, once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, go down to Kela, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. We don't think about it when we read the story, but literally what happened is David probably went back to Abathar the priest and said, put those stones back in and pull one out again. And if it really is God, he's going to give us the same answer. And that's what happened. It says David inquired of the Lord again. The priest reached in, pulled out one of the stones and said, yes, this is, this is what God wants you to do. How many of you know it's, it's okay sometimes to wait for a confirmation when you think God's speaking to you? That, that is an okay thing. And especially, I want you to hear me this morning, I'm not telling you go out and make major decisions in your life based on flipping a coin or random chance. I'm, I'm not advocating that necessarily, but I am saying don't overcomplicate things. Don't wait for some big sign or some complex message when it could be a simple act that happens in our lives that we say, yes, that's God speaking to me. What I'm after is do we really, are we people that really believe that God is with us and he orders our steps? Come on. Is, is that the truth or not? Is God actively involved in our lives and ordering our steps or are our lives just a series of random chances that it doesn't matter what we do? If we believe that he's with us and that he's ordering our steps, even the simple things in lives, we can see his voice speaking to us. 
We need not to overcomplicate it. And when we do that, we will more clearly hear him and see his leading in our lives. And sometimes we read that story and we're like, oh, well, those, those poor guys in the Old Testament. You know, they, they didn't really know God. And, and later, man, this, can we say involve God in the everyday things that we do? Invite him in? If, if you read later in 1 Samuel, it talks about how Saul got in trouble. And it actually says later that he was asking the Lord for direction. And it said God did not answer him by dreams, the Urim, or prophets. And so he went and consulted a witch. You remember that story? That was his, his, one of the downfalls of Saul's life, is he went and tried to hear God without God being involved in the process. And we would look at that and say, how stupid a proposition is that? But the reality of it is, in our lives, we can say, Lord, I want you to be involved, even in the simple things that happen to me, so I can recognize your hand. And we, we would think, oh, those poor guys in the Old Testament, they, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them, they weren't saved, they had, they had to do that, they had to go do the chance. Well, here's a story. After Judas betrayed Jesus, and he went out and hanged himself in the field, it says the disciples got together, and what was one of their first orders of business? Hey, we need to pick another guy to replace Judas. He's, we were called the Twelve, we're the Twelve Apostles, we can't go around being the Eleven guys Come on, we have to come up with a new name. They were the 12 apostles, so they said, let's pick a new guy. And this is what they did in Acts chapter 1 and verse 26. It says, then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Come on, they didn't overcomplicate things. They didn't look for, oh, have, have somebody call us and send us smoke signals, and then we'll know it's a sign from you. They cast lots. Literally, probably what happened at this meeting, this meeting of the great, mighty apostles of God, they put these two guys' names in a jar. And one of them said, hey, I'll pick. And they reached in the jar and they pulled out Matthias' name and said, hey, God just spoke. You're going to be the next guy. They didn't overcomplicate it. They trusted that God was in even the simple acts to direct their steps. Now, come on, this wasn't a choice between good or evil. These, these were, they were two qualified guys that they had put forth. And if you read the whole story in the book of Acts there, it says they prayed beforehand and said, God, we trust you, we need you, we know that you are going to give us your will in this moment. And then they turned around and they cast lots to see who was going to be the next guy. And uh, I will, to be fair, after the day of Pentecost... There's no recorded time in Scripture where they cast lots again. Once, once they got filled with the Holy Spirit and he was actually empowering them, but they could have. It doesn't say one way or the other. But I will say, to be fair, they didn't cast lots after that. But the point of the story is, don't overcomplicate it. They could have gone through some big rigmarole and we'd still be waiting 2,000 years later. I wonder who the next guy should be. They just trusted God. We invited you in and we're going to believe that you were here and the outcome is what you wanted for my life. So we are going to be ones that choose not to overcomplicate things so that we can hear him more clearly. Everybody say, don't overcomplicate things. I feel like that was a complicated story to tell you not to overcomplicate things, but it's good, and we need to do it more. I think there's more in our lives than just hearing God that we need to simplify, and things will go easier for us. Uh, The second thing that I think helps us position ourselves to hear God's voice more clearly is to be in his presence. We might think that that's common sense. 
That, that wasn't rocket science, so it wouldn't have been in the kids' blast-off camp that we had. But it really needs to be said. Be in his presence with all kinds of ways to communicate, all kinds of digital mediums and things that we can do to communicate. The best way still to clearly know what somebody is saying is to be with them face to face. And sometimes we forget that. Here's a story. God was given Moses directions on how to build the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. And in Numbers chapter 7, verse 89, it says, When Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, Moses went to where God's presence was to speak with him. It says, When Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice of the Lord speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the atonement cover on the Ark of the Testimony, and he spoke with him. If Moses wanted to hear God speak clearly, he had to be in God's presence. Can I say today, if we want to hear God speak clearly, it helps to be in His presence. There's something about it. Thank God that He speaks to us today. And the good news is, Moses went to where he had built this box that God told him to build and said, hey, my presence is going to be here always. How many of you saw Rares of the Lost Ark? You have, you have an idea in your mind what that, what that box looked like with the cherubim over the top. The lid of the box where God was speaking from was really just a picture of Jesus because it's called the atonement or the mercy seat that was on top of the ark. And Jesus in the New Testament in Romans, he's called an atonement sacrifice for us. He is mercy personified. If you read John's account of the resurrection, there was an angel or a cherubim, if you will, one at the foot and one at the head. Just that picture of the mercy seat and the ark and the tomb. It was Jesus speaking to Moses. Can we agree on that? Even though he's not named in the Old Testament, that was, come on, John even goes so far as to call Jesus the Word. He is God's voice personified. So the good news to us is where Moses had to go to a specific place and be there in God's presence, Jesus lives in us. So we ought to be able to be in his presence and to hear him speak wherever we go. That's good news. All, all the wandering and the roaming around that people are doing trying to think, I need direction. We can get in his presence wherever we are because his presence lives in us. And I, I will say, maybe you know, sometimes it's hard to get in his presence wherever you are. There's so much going on, so many distractions. I have been in a room with someone, and I can't tell you what they said, and they were talking to me. Anybody else admit this? Any husbands admit this? Come on, I, I, was, I was in the living room with Pam the other day, and, and she said, you're not listening to me, are you? And I thought, that's a strange way to start a conversation. All right, that didn't really happen, but... I have gotten the, are you listening to me, one before, and I may not have been. Come on, we can be in the room with somebody and still not hear a word they're saying. What does that mean? That means I need to put down the distractions. There, there are times when we talk at home that I purposely know I need to, I'm going to put my phone down, I'm going to turn off the TV, I'm going to look Pam in the face, I'm going to concentrate on what's being said because I value it and I want to hear it. 
And it's the same thing with the Lord. Sometimes we get in a place where we're so distracted that He's speaking and we're not even hearing because of all the other stuff going on. And sometimes we need to put everything aside. The same way that we would physically do it if somebody walked in the room and wanted to talk to us, that we would put everything down. Sometimes we need to do that. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to leave the phone in the other room. I'm not going to turn on the news. I'm going to sit here in your presence because I value your voice. And wherever we are, we can make that happen if we want to. There are some places that I think it's easier to experience his presence. When we come together and we worship, there's times when I just know he's here. I know he's speaking to me. There are times when two or three are gathered that we just pray together. And it's like, wow, Jesus was in this place today. He's, he's really speaking something. There's a theme here. He's, he's got us doing something this morning. There are times where we can be intentional about, I am going to get myself in his presence. There, there is an aspect of he's always with us, but there is an aspect of recognizing tangibly he's here with me right now. And when we get to that place, it's easier to hear him. We can hear him more clearly because we're in his presence and we're honoring him. Hmm. When we intentionally focus on him, it increases the clarity of his voice in our lives. And that's something that we can purpose to do. It's not a problem on God's end. It's us positioning ourselves to hear Him more clearly in what He's saying. So whatever you do in your life that makes you more aware of His presence, if you need to hear Him, do that. Whether it's sitting with your Bible open on the table with nothing else, going out in the woods somewhere, getting in a worship service, whatever you do where you know, I'm in God's presence right now, do that and say, Lord, speak to me. So, we don't want to overcomplicate things. We want to be in his presence. The last one I wanted to talk about today, and uh, I, will, I will give credit. I was talking with Karen after service last week, so I stole this one from her. But it's so good I had to use it. Resolve to say yes before you hear. Resolve to say, whatever you speak to me, Lord, I will do it before he even speaks. How many of you have ever gotten in a situation where you knew, like you had something you wanted to do, but now I'm waiting on a word from the Lord because I want Him to tell me that it's okay to do the thing that I've already decided to do. Nobody else? Just me? I'm, I'm seeing a couple heads nodding, but nobody's willing to admit it and raise their hand. Come on, we do that with the Lord sometimes. I already have this thing I want to do in my heart, and I just, Lord, I know you want to speak to me and tell me it's okay to do this. I, I want to I move to another state with you know, no job, no people I know, but it's, I've always wanted to live there. I know you want me to do that, right, Lord? And then we wonder why we're not hearing anything. We need to come before the Lord. If we really want direction in our lives, we need to say, Lord, I want your voice. I want to hear you. I value it. And I'm going to do what you ask me to do. Before you even say it, I'm going to resolve to say yes. And you know what's amazing? When we do that, we begin to hear him a lot more clearly. I, I think there is something God's voice is so valuable that he pours it out more in places where it's being obeyed. That's a good word, Pastor Chris. It's not, it's out of order in God's economy for, for us to say, I've already decided, now speak to me, Lord. We need to say, speak to me, Lord, and I'll do what you say. 
Uh, here's a story in, in, the, in the book of Numbers, the Israelites had finally begun to walk in their promises. They had begun to possess the land that God had given them. They were driving out some of their enemies. And this made the nations around them very afraid. They were nervous because God, oh, we, we got a report that God has given them this land and he's driving out all these other people before him. And the king of Moab, his name was Balak. There's, there's two there's a Balak and a Balaam in this story, so it could be confusing. But the king of Moab was Balak, and he got very nervous about the Israelites being in his land, so he hired a prophet to come curse the Israelites. How many of you remember the story of Balaam? That's, that's where we get the phrase, like, if God could speak through a donkey, he could speak through me. Come on. He hires Balaam, and Balaam was not a really good prophet. He was in it for the money. He used other means besides hearing God sometimes to tell people what they should do. But he went with Balak. And he began, every time the king of Moab would take him up, he says, oh, the Israelites are camped in that valley. I'll take you up on this hill and you'll get a good view of them. And then you can begin to curse them. And, and I'll get the victory because you're putting a curse from God on them. And what happened in the story? Every time they went up on the mountain, Balaam would see the children of Israel and the Spirit of the Lord would come on him, and he'd begin to prophesy blessings over them. Look at the tents of Jacob. They're beautiful. They're glorious. They're going to spread all over the earth. He would, and how many of you know, if you've paid a guy to come and say what you want him to say, and he says the exact opposite, how many of you would get a little upset? And, and that's what the king of Balak was doing. I don't know why he let him do it three times. I, I would think after the first time or the second time, you'd be like, hey, I'm, I want my money back. Can you recommend some other prophet for me? He's getting ticked off. He says, hey, we'll go up to a different place. Maybe if you see them from there, you'll be able to curse them. And Balaam couldn't do it. Why couldn't Balaam do it? As, as many things that were messed up in Balaam's life, he, and he was not following God the way he should have been, this is what he told the king of Moab. In Numbers 23, verse 26, Balaam answered him, Did I not tell you I must do whatever the Lord says? Come on, somebody that's walking that far out of the will of God, using other methods besides hearing God to tell people he was not a good prophet, he still recognized, I can only do what God tells me to do. And that's what he told Balak, the king of Moab. And he, as ungodly as he had been, he knew ahead of time, I need to obey. And I'd like us to say that this morning. Can we say, I must do whatever the Lord says? Let's say it one more time together like we believe it. I must do whatever the Lord says. Come on, that's, that's something that ought to be getting in the foundation of who we are as Christians. That's not a nice, oh, add-on, like, oh, I, I got saved and I see these things, and maybe somewhere down the line I'll add obedience into the mix of what I'm doing with the Lord. Come on, that ought to be in the foundation of who we are. We should resolve this. I must do whatever the Lord says. If, if I know that I know I've heard His voice, there is no other option but to do that thing. There, there are times in, in my life that I'm, we've made decisions that I know we heard God's voice, and I still, like, let's rationalize it. Let's try to, did, did he really mean that? Or was, is there another way out of this? And it's like, when you know you've heard, that is the option. I must do whatever the Lord says. If we resolve ahead of time to say yes to whatever he says, you'll be amazed at how much clearer his voice begins to come in your life. 
If we want to hear clearly, we have to resolve to obey before he even speaks. So those are just a few things this morning that if we do these things, if we don't overcomplicate it, if we resolve to obey before he even speaks to us, if we get ourselves in his presence, we will more clearly hear what he's saying to us. And so that, the action item that I have for us this week is whatever it is that God is stirring on you, let's do something this week. Do one thing to position ourselves to hear more clearly. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you're thinking, oh, I haven't been asking God for a word. Or I haven't been looking for it. Maybe you need to back up a step and start there. Like, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me? But whatever you're asking him about, whatever you've been searching and seeking, Lord, I need your direction in this. Let's this week, let's intentionally just do one thing. One of those things, or maybe God spoke something else to you while I was talking. One thing to position ourselves to hear him more clearly. And if you're very daring, what you could do is after you hear God clearly speak, tell somebody else. Maybe, maybe share, send somebody a note in the church, send an email, say, man, I heard God speak this this week. Isn't that amazing? And see what he wants to say to us. Can we do that this week? I got, I got at least 50% of the people saying yes. Can we do that this week? All right, let's stand up together. I want to pray for us before we go. And uh, I, I do want to go back to one thing that Pam said earlier this morning. Uh, we were in the pre-service rally, and she heard God say, healing's not a fad. It's not like, oh, we... We had healing services, you know, 2,000 years ago when the early church kicked off, and then we had some in the 80s, but it was just a fad. It was a passing craze. Healing is not a fad. It's something that God wants to do all the time. It's something that there is healing in his presence. There is goodness in his presence. It it goes with the whole package. And so this morning, even as as I pray as we're going to get ready to dismiss, if you're hurting in your body or you've been battling sickness, I would just like you to stretch your hand up to the Lord right now. It, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm, I don't have anything specific of back pain or leg pain right now. But if you've just been dealing with something and it's lingering and you're like, I need to unload this. I'm just going to, I want us to pray and believe that God is a healer and it is not a fad. Lord, all around this room right now, and if you see somebody next to you with their hand up, if you want to just put your hand on their shoulder, that would be great. But Lord, we see our friends and our family right here all around the room that are battling with stuff. And Lord, you declared in your word, you are the healer. Lord Jesus, the stripes you took on your back, what you did through the cross, that was to provide not just salvation for our souls, but healing for our bodies. And Lord, we ask right now all around this room that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would touch these bodies, Lord God, that you would bring your healing power. Let it flow right now in Jesus' name into necks, into backs, into emotions, into legs, wherever it needs to go, Lord God. We thank you that your healing power flows in us right now. Lord, all around the room, even as hands are being laid on and hands are extended to you, Lord, come and meet us as the one that heals. Thank you, Lord. God, we ask that you would continue to move in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your voice. We thank you that you haven't abandoned us to fate. You haven't abandoned us to just whatever happens in random choices of life, but you are right there with us involved in our lives. 
God, we trust that you are ordering and directing our steps. Lord, continue to do that. Bring us into the places and the circumstances that you want us to be in so that we can be a light for you, so that we can live lives in front of people that would direct them to you, that men would see our good deeds and give glory to our Father in heaven. Lord, we say that we love you, we honor you, we thank you for your hand upon our lives. Continue to be our God as we are your people. Lord, bless us indeed, even as we go from this place. service rally was really good this morning because <laughs> Bill even reminded us he, he heard a message years ago from my dad talking about Psalm 23 and he said when we go places is what we leave in our wake goodness and mercy or is there chaos and confusion around when we've shown up and he says as Christians what ought to be left behind when we go somewhere is the goodness and mercy of God because it follows us all the days of our lives so Lord, I ask that that would be a tangible reality from us, even as we go from this place, the places we go, the people we meet, that there would be goodness and mercy left wherever we've been. Not so that we could have a great reputation, but so that Jesus, your name, would be made famous. We just say we love you, we honor you now, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.